as we have sung already this morning, we are not to put confidence in princes. Our confidence is to be in our God, our God who created, our God who oversees, our God who delivers from oppression, our God who maintains the righteousness of his people. And we have sung this morning that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. And now we live as God's people in whom the power of reigning sin has been broken, where we have been set free in Jesus Christ to listen to our God and to hear him and to respond with faith, with worship, with holiness. This, this what we have sung so far this morning, is, has helped us in a creative way to, to enter into this gospel work of Jesus Christ for us as his people, and now we are looking for God to speak to us through his word that we might be renewed in in how to live as God's people. Last week I noted in our sermon from Ephesians 6 that prayer is a vital, is a vital aspect of living the Christian life, especially living that Christian life that is lived out in warfare against the dark forces who want us to forget all this stuff that we've just sung. Who want us to forget our standing in Christ. Who want to rob us of our joy by by making us think that that our struggles are somehow uh, stating to us that God isn't with us. That God doesn't hear us. That God isn't near us. Where, where the dark forces want to rob you of your joy. They want to rob you of your efforts and of your strength to cultivate the extravagant grace of God in Christ so that you walk in that grace. The dark forces want to take all of that away from you. They want to sow chaos into your life, whether that comes through the world, the flesh, or the devil. And prayer helps us connect ourselves to that, that grace of God in Jesus Christ. And we noted last week that we are to pray prayers of all different kinds. And one of those, those types of prayer that is, is really important and helpful for us, we noted, were imprecatory prayers. What I want to do this morning is we're going to look at an imprecatory prayer that we find in Psalm 35 so that we can spend a little bit more time discussing this type of praying to to put it in its right focus for us so that you will actually pray this way because there is great strength that is found in the words of prayer that the Spirit provides us. And so let us listen this morning to the word of God from Psalm 35. 
I'm going to read Psalm 35, and I'm going to briefly read from John 15. This is a psalm we, we are, are told from the beginning. This is a psalm of David. This is one of David's psalms. David is speaking about himself. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him? Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask, of, they ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did, I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do, they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say forevermore, Great 
is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. And now over to John chapter 15. Beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you have revealed yourself to us through your servant David, fulfilling that revelation in David's greater son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so help us in hearing his words spoken of old to hear your speaking today through them to us as your people, that we would be renewed, that we would be strengthened and comforted, and that we would not grow weary, but instead would fill ourselves to the fullness with the the strength of our ever-present Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. My intention this morning is not to try to go through and do a, a, this exposition of Psalm 35 as, as it moves from beginning to end of the psalm. And one of the reasons for that uh, is that the Psalm 35 is structured in uh, what we call a chiasm. Uh, it does not move from beginning to end. It, it kind of moves from beginning into the middle, and then once it hits the middle, it starts, going, it starts retracing it, itself back to where it began. But also, my point this morning is, I want to show you the practical use that we as the Church of Jesus Christ have in the use of Psalm 35 in our praying. You're praying as an individual, and our praying as a church. And so I'm going to answer a few questions to kind of get us into the context of this psalm um, in order to then move us into its use. This is a psalm of David. We are told from the very beginning, this is of David, as it says in the Hebrew. And this is, it's a way of showing possession, that that either this is a psalm in which David himself wrote about himself, or this is a psalm that is written about David. But either way, we know that 
when the, psalm, uh, the psalmist, as he talks about this person who is enduring what is described here, it is talking um, about David. And these enemies that he is talking about, he, he reveals in terms of, of being people who, are, who have gathered around him and they are falsely accusing him. They are saying lies about him. They are spreading untruths about him. And, and, and we know that there is some kind of connection between these enemies and David himself. David says not only are they doing this without cause, but he says very clearly, I have served these people. I have loved them. I have entered into their situations with them and even to the point that when they were sick or when they were in mourning, I, I was serving them and helping them and I mourned along with them. He is one who had entered into the troubles of the very peoples that, that are spreading lies and bearing false witness about him. But we have to remember as we look at the context of this psalm, this is not David simply speaking about himself as an individual who is having difficulties with a group of people. Because that is not who David is. David is the king. David is the Lord's anointed. David is the one who has received a covenant with Yahweh, a covenant in which God had promised to David, I am going to take you, I'm going to install you as my king, and I'm going to use you to build a house for me. And I'm going to use your sons to, to sit on the throne over my people in order for me to accomplish my plans and my purposes through my people as one of your sons rules on my throne. David had received this unique covenant with the Lord. Saul had not received that covenant. And the, children, the sons who would come from David, they enjoyed the, 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 that covenant relationship, not because they themselves had entered into that covenant with God, but because God had entered it with David. And they, as the sons of David, they received both the responsibilities and the blessings of that covenant. David here is not just an individual who's having a difficult time with people who are lying about him. What we are being shown is what the conditions in Israel were like for the Lord's anointed to lead the people in accomplishing God's purposes and plans. And we know that this is not only the conditions in which David had to contend. We know that this, these were the conditions that had led up to David, and we know that these are the conditions that continue after David. 
where the people of God, for some reason, because of the hardness of their hearts, as they are a stiff-necked people, as God had said from the beginning, they constantly go through this pattern of struggling against God, struggling against God's will, struggling against God's word, struggling against God's covenant, struggling against God's anointed. And these are the conditions in which David, the Lord's anointed, these are the conditions in which the remnant, those who are believing and trusting God, these are the conditions in which the work of the kingdom of God is taking place. So it's not simply some people being difficult. People are arrayed against the work of the king and the kingdom. We know that when the psalmist speaks in this way, that he is not only speaking for himself. As we read from John 15, and I could have read from so many places, but in John 15:25, we see Jesus himself citing from Psalm 35:19, where the persecution where the hostility against God's anointed one against God's kingdom against God himself we are told is happening in, in to Jesus in fulfillment to what was described in the old testament what is described in the messianic psalms what is described in psalm 35 the hostility, the fighting, the, the getting in the way, the rejection of the, of the Lord's anointed and the getting in the way of the kingdom that Jesus is experiencing is a continuation and it is a fulfillment of what we see being described in Psalm 35. Now throughout Psalm 35, there are all kinds of places that I could show you where Jesus, beginning with his betrayal the night before he went to the cross and working through the narrative of everything that he went through as he found himself betrayed by his friends, as he found himself betrayed by those whom he loved, whom he had walked with in their situation whom he had mourned over, whom he had healed when they were sick, that Jesus in his betrayal, and then as Jesus is mocked by sinful, wicked men who say that he is guilty of sin when he is not, and as he goes through the process of being scourged and whipped, as he goes through that, that process of standing for, before Pilate, as he ends up going to the cross, as he hangs on the cross, all that, the content of Psalm 35, Jesus takes on his lips every step of the way. The hostility here is not just 
David as an individual. This is the anointed one. And these are enemies of God's king, God's kingdom. These are enemies of God himself. So first, when it comes to our use of Psalm 35, what we are not saying is that you can utilize an imprecatory prayer to pray against someone who's giving you a hard time. That is not what's going on here. What we are talking about is when we, we are experiencing this or seeing this evil that is arrayed against Christ. What did John tell us in John 15? Well, Jesus tells us there, right, that this hostility that, that he is receiving, that will come to its fullness as he hangs on the cross, that hostility, he tells us, it will be an ongoing hostility that who also will experience? The church. And that as we stand with Christ, what will happen is that hostility arrayed against the anointed one and against the king and his kingdom will also be arrayed against the king's people. Do you see what's happening here? The hostility that David is experiencing on one level is pointing us to a greater hostility that would be experienced by David's greater son. The fulfillment of the covenant in 2 Samuel 7 as it would be played out in Jesus, the son of David born in Bethlehem. And that hostility will continue to be played out against that son of David, even after the son of David returns to the father's right hand in the heavenly places. And as the ministry and as the work of the king and his kingdom is taking place through his people, through his children, we will continue to experience that hostility that exists against God his anointed against God himself. And when we find ourselves in that situation, what, what we are, are being told here is that these words that were given to David by the Holy Spirit to help him pray while he is in the midst of this hostility are words that exist for us to pray as those who are in Christ. And as in Christ, we reside in the life and ministry of the one who is being ultimately being talked about in Psalm 35. David's prayer becomes our prayer because David's prayer is fulfilled in Christ. You and I are in Christ. And so these words now become the words of the church. Not to pray, because someone's giving you a hard time. Not to pray because you won't believe what so-and-so said about me at work. No, that's not what this is about. This is about the hostility that exists against the king and his kingdom work. That hostility that we still experience, Paul says, from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So when we find ourselves in this situation as the church, it is appropriate for us to pray the prayer of Psalm 35. 
and to allow these Holy Spirit-inspired words to give us things to pray so that we can end up in that same place of where the psalmist himself ends up. Notice, where does the psalmist end? In the midst of all this, this hostility against all of this affliction that, that he does not deserve, that he's innocent of, where does he end up? He ends up in the delight of the Lord, where not only he, he is delighting, but everyone who trusts in him is able to delight in the Lord and to speak of the Lord's righteousness even in the midst of affliction and hostility. And so from beginning to end, as this unfolds for us, our Savior Jesus Christ, and helps us understand where we are in Christ in the midst of the hostility that we experience that is really going against him, Notice here that we can pray and ask the Lord to put on armor and to fight for us. That kind of sounds like Ephesians 6, doesn't it? Notice here, contend with those who contend with me, fight against those who fight against me by taking up the shield and buckler, drawing the spear and javelin. Fight for me, Lord. Contend for me. Why? So that I will rest in the knowledge that you are my salvation. Notice here that in this, in this opening, these words that he is pray, he's praying are words that, that where he wants God to contend for him so that he can rest in trusting the Lord in the midst of an extremely difficult circumstance. And if we are going to stand against the attacks of the dark forces, as Paul has talked about in Ephesians 6, it's going to come as we trust God and his work for us in Jesus Christ, where we can trust God enough that we can stand with the Apostle Peter, as he says in 1 Peter 1, and praise the Lord that we have become participants in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that through our participation in his resurrection, we have been born again to a living hope. Why? So that we can stand against the trials that come from our faith. We're going to continue to have these things. And God wants us to rest in him in order to stand against them. And we rest here, notice, in, in 1 Peter 1, we, we rest in this work of Christ because of the vindication that Jesus has received and our portion of his vindication. How do we know that Jesus was vindicated as righteous even though he died a sinner's death uh, where lies were being spread about him that he had sinned and that he had, he had uh, committed idolatry in saying that he was equal with God. How do we know that God vindicated Jesus 
from the wicked claims of wicked men. Because he rose from the grave. His resurrection is his vindication as the Father says, yes, he did die a sinner's death on a cross, but he did not die for sins that were his. And so his death cannot hold him down. And so the Father raises Jesus from the dead as a vindication of his righteousness. And what you and I are promised in the inheritance that we share with Christ is a share in his vindication. So that when Christ returns, who will also experience his vindication before our enemies? We will. This is the trust that we are to have in Christ. This is the trust, by the way, that that we see in Psalm 35 itself as, as the psalmist, as it would be fulfilled in Christ himself, noted that as God would do these things, as God would fight for him in order for him to know the salvation of the Lord, and as the Lord would vindicate him, he knew that he was going to come through this process. And he was going to end up in the congregation of God's people, leading them in praise. For Jesus, we know that that was not by him avoiding the cross. It was by him going through the cross and in his resurrection, coming back in the newness of resurrection life. And then to ascend to the heavenly places where Jesus does what? Leads the worship of the congregation, of those who have a portion in his inheritance. See, this was the hope of David. This was the hope of Christ. And this is your hope. That as we pray, as the people of God, looking to the finished work of Jesus Christ, we we can pray to the Lord, fight for me. Because the reality is, there is test. There is ongoing conflict. And that might come from within your own heart. As the ongoing presence of sin, whose power is broken, but whose presence is still there, will raise its ugly head. Will try to condemn you. Oh, you're not a real follower of Jesus. A real follower of Jesus wouldn't have sinned like that. Or the world will will love to try to condemn the people of God when they catch someone in hypocrisy. Oh, well, you act like you're holier than now. But look, you just talk to that person the same way that I talk to them. And where it becomes so easy to want to become defensive and to to stand in a self-righteousness and say, oh, well, when I do it, it's not the same as when you do it. Yes, it is. The difference is not the sin. The difference is the hope. My sin doesn't define me. and, And because of the new life of Jesus Christ, I need to crucify that sin. You were right in pointing it out. But the hope that I have is that I'm not condemned because of it. The hope that I have is that Jesus was condemned for me. 
And because I share in his resurrection life, I can work on this thing. Do you have that hope? You see, you don't have to let someone accusing you be something that that makes you defensive. It becomes an awesome opportunity to share the hope that you have in Christ. But the dark forces that Paul says is our true enemy, the dark forces are constantly arrayed against our king. They are constantly arrayed against his kingdom. They are constantly arrayed against his kingdom people. Our catechism is so helpful for us when we think about how to pray Psalm 35. Jesus has given us a summary of how to pray Psalm 35, by the way. He has told us to pray, thy kingdom come. And what our catechisms help us to remember, Heidelberg Catechism 123, that when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying and asking for the Lord to destroy the works of the devil. That we are asking the Lord to destroy every power that raises itself up against him. Praying against every conspiracy against God's truth. And we are to do this until the fullness of that kingdom comes. The Shorter Catechism 102 tells us that when we pray, Thy kingdom come, we are praying for Satan's kingdom to be destroyed and that the kingdom of grace may be advanced. And so when you find yourselves sensing that that pressure and that hostility that comes from the dark forces, especially when the dark forces are working themselves out in different manifestations within the world, within history, and within your own heart, come to Psalm 35 and ask the Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, as one who is participating in his resurrection victory now. Ask the Lord to contend for you so that you can stand in his trust. Ask the Lord to put to shame and dishonor the all the work of the dark forces that are arrayed against our Savior. Ask for the Lord to bring our king back so that the, 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 the dark forces will be conquered forevermore, that they will be chased down and that they will be put to shame. Even as that process began, when Jesus overcame them on the cross, the apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 2. We're praying for God to take the the net and the trap that dark forces are setting for us and to use that against themselves. What better description for the cross can you think of? As the seed of the serpent struck the heel of the seed of the woman, and yet who within that process, the seed of the woman struck a blow to the head of the seed of the serpent. 
as the dark forces were cheering and thinking that they had somehow defeated Christ, the God's anointed one, by killing him on the cross, then had to see him raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand where he has been established as king forevermore until he reigns and rules by uh, conquering all of his enemies under his feet. We pray for the Lord to fight for us. We pray for the Lord to help us live in in the vindication of Christ. We ask for the Lord to put to open shame those who are arrayed against him. We ask for the Lord to fight and to vindicate and to put to shame. Is this how you pray? When you're sharing Christ with someone and they start coming at you, Are you able to step back and and ask the Lord to vindicate you to this person, to vindicate the gospel to this person against the dark forces that 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 are trying to manipulate the situation? Or do you freak out? Or do you start looking into yourself? Okay, what's the best answer I can come up with? And do you start relying on your intellect? Or do you start relying on an emotional response? Do you pray and do you ask for the Lord to contend against the dark forces who are participating in this encounter? Do you stand in the trust of God in the resurrection victory of Christ and humbly ask the Lord to fight for you in that conversation? Do you pray this way when you're praying for our missionaries? Do you pray this way when when you read about the persecution that Christians are experiencing in other places around the world? Do you pray this way when we get those accounts of evil rulers who, who take power and try to oppress the weak? Do we pray for the Lord to fight and to contend? Or do we just sit back and just get scared? Or lift our hands with, well, who knows what can happen here? If only we had a Republican in office. It's become so much easier to trust in princes when our trust is in our king. Pray in precatory prayers. Pray them for the advancement of God's kingdom in the world and pray them for God, the advancement of God's kingdom within this church. Pray them for the advancement of God's kingdom in your heart. These are prayers that God has given you to help you connect with the triumph of our Savior rather than to live in fear of the victory of the enemy. And in standing in the triumph of our Savior, we are able to stand even while for a time we have to endure trials and tribulations as we wait for the vindication of Jesus Christ to be revealed as ours, as his holy people. Beloved, pray the imprecatory prayers and do so with the full confidence that in asking God to take up armor and fight, you're asking him to continue what he has already begun in Jesus.
Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, there are so many things that come against us, some of which we are aware of, but many times we are unaware. And so help us when we find ourselves in the midst of this battle, not to, not to shrink back, help us not to rely on the flesh, help us not to grow weary, help us not to have uh, our hands drooping, but instead... Help us to pray and help us through all the different types of prayer to reconnect ourselves with the victory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our new life that is hidden within him as we find ourselves indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to pray every type of prayer. Help us to pray prayers of worship and celebration uh, praying uh, prayers of adoration as we reflect upon how awesome you are and what you have done and help us to pray prayers of confession that we would continue to be honest with you about our ongoing struggles with sin and help us to pay, pray prayers of intercession as we look for you to help us and to help your people. And help us, Lord, to pray prayers of imprecation that we would not just hope in an ethereal fashion that Jesus has won, but that we would pray in light of his victory. And that we would pray, Lord, not to get you to, to do something harmful to someone because they've, they've hurt us, but praying for you to vindicate your justice against those who are sowing chaos and destruction of sin and darkness. And Lord, help us as your people to pray knowingly, your kingdom come. And so we do pray this morning, come, Lord Jesus, come. It is in Jesus' name that we pray.